Well, hello. <laughs> I was going to try to be really serious. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Welcome to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also a speaker, an author, and the CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And you are listening to the Claim the Stage podcast. This is where women come to discover awaken and create their voice through the art of public speaking. And if you have any interest in what I just said, (laughs) you're going to love this show. Today, I'm interviewing Ashley Lucas, who started off as a reluctant speaker and now really enjoys it. So she's going to walk us through her journey as a speaker and teach us something about how to use small steps to accomplish big goals. And this is something that she uses in her program. And she'll talk a little bit about the results and how it works. And I love, love, love how simple it is. It's not like 74 steps to accomplish your dream. (laughs) It's just like... It boils it down and it makes it so accessible. So I'm really looking forward to having you listen to that episode. Before we do, before we jump into that interview, I wanted to say speaking school is back. It's, it's starting again on September 26th, our fall semester, but registration opens next week on September 5th, my mom's birthday, the day after Labor Day. And I wanted to let you know about that because we have a bunch of women who have already pre-registered. They're on the waiting list from earlier in the year, but I do have some spots left. So I wanted to let you know that this is happening and also remind you of what Speaking School is so you can start thinking about it and check out my website if you have questions about it or if you're interested in signing up. So what is Speaking School? Speaking School is the place to be if you are a woman and a public speaker and you love to speak and you want to get paid for it. That's probably it in its simplest form. What I do is teach you all the things you need to know to make that process as easy and quick as possible. And I teach you it through... (laughs) sharing all of my mistakes and the years I took trying to figure out how to do this correctly. So you'll learn how to brand yourself. You'll create a marketing plan. You'll create a whole speaking plan that teaches you where to look for speaking engagements. I'll teach you how to price yourself, which is like the most confusing. Like it's the thing that I did wrong so many times. and, And I'll show you how to price yourself for different types of engagements. We will create a speaker one sheet, which is kind of like your sales piece as a speaker. We will create interesting talks with interesting titles and summaries. We'll even put together your signature talk and we'll put together this whole package. So by the time you graduate from speaking school, you are on your way. You are totally ready to become a professional speaker. So if that interests you at all, a couple things. First, you should check out episode 34 and episode 35 Those were both recorded with students, past students of the speaking school. So you can hear some of their stories. You can learn about what the experience was like, what they got from it, and just see if it's something you could imagine yourself doing. And if you have any questions for me about speaking school, please don't hesitate to ask. You can email me anytime at Angela at SpeakerSisterhood.com. And if you want to learn more about speaking school, just go to my website, AngelaLucier.us and click on speaking school and it's all there. So I hope to see you there. And like I said, registration opens next week on September 5th. All right, without further ado, let us jump into 
today's episode with Ashley Lucas taking small steps to accomplish big goals. Ashley Lucas refers to herself as a recovering entrepreneur after having spent the last nine years working in the startup space, both as a founder and as her last company's first hire after the CEO. Before her current role as the director of Babson College's WinLab, Ashley co-led a startup called The Welcoming Committee, a national events and travel company, where she helped grow a Boston-based company of 2,000 people into a membership base of 35,000 across 10 cities. Whoa! Now the director of Babson College's WinLab, an eight-month accelerator program designed specifically for growth stage women entrepreneurs, Ashley has the opportunity to help other women scale their businesses and build a network that will help them achieve their goals. Ashley, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited too. We met months ago when I came and did a presentation at the Win Lab, and I just loved what you guys are doing for women and entrepreneurs and creating the space for them to, you know, really grow their ideas, think differently about what they're doing, and build confidence in themselves in the process. So today you're here to talk about your own path as an entrepreneur and speaker and to share with us entrepreneurial thought and action and how they can use it for public speaking. So let's talk about you first. <laughs> what, <Okay. laughs> what, what was your path? How did you end up as the director of the Babson Win Lab? Yeah. So, you know, long and windy road. Um, I actually went to undergrad. I went to UMass Amherst. So, uh, near you and was Me too. an Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. All worlds. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was an e economics and, and psychology major because I really just had no idea what to major in. So I, I started with those two things um, and had sort of a, a mashup of different jobs after that, but always knew that I wanted to start something, right? I always had this kind of dream of being an entrepreneur. And, you know, I did the lemonade stand when I was a kid. I sold bouncy balls on the playground, but... It, it just sort of stuck with me. And I was working at Bose Corporation, you know, the head, the speaker and headphone people. Yeah. yeah. And one day I just decided that I needed to, I was going to start a business. I didn't know what, what it was going to be. And I decided to go get my MBA. So I left, uh, went and got my MBA at Simmons College. And as I was graduating, launched this company called Diffuse 5, which is no longer around, <laughs> but it was a digital media resource. And, you know, despite the fact that I really had zero idea of what I was doing, um, I managed to convince a bunch of folks to start writing content for me and launched a series of events across Boston. Um, and about two years later, just ended up losing my passion for it. You know, I was sleeping on my office floor and eating ramen and showering at the gym and, and, uh, you know, sort of living that glamorous entrepreneurial lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I just sort of got to the point where I was like, I I'm just not into this anymore. You know, it's just, it's not, it's not waking me up at five in the morning to run over and check my email. Um, so I relinquished that company, 
uh, you know, went through the entrepreneurial breakup of letting go of your first company and then was recruited by the CEO of the welcoming committee. Um, he was ramping up his company while I was ramping mine down. And interestingly enough, we actually met because I started doing some public speaking for a volunteer group uh, at Fenway Health that I was a part of and actually introduced him at an event, uh, sort of kicked off some of my, my public speaking career. And we chatted and he brought me on board and, and for three and a half years, I did everything from community management to marketing to business development to operations. And we raised a million dollars, grew the membership base to 35,000 people, launched in 10 cities and hired <laughs> 12 people and it was <laughs> it was just insane it was insane like you know and and I was kind of living the dream that that was something that I had always wanted to do right I always wanted to be a part of this big company uh this big startup company and it was great and then you know about four years later I it, it was feeling less and less like a startup uh and I'm a startup person so I left the welcoming committee, did a short stint at a bread bakery for three months, which is probably another podcast altogether, but, um, and just took a little time for myself and then re was recruited by the Babson Win Lab. So I've been there for about two years. We've seen over 105 women go through the program and, you know, it's, it's really to your point this incredibly supportive community of entrepreneurs who are just sort of in the weeds together. Um, and they are incredible. The group of stakeholders who surround them are incredible. And, you know, it's just something that I wish I had had when I was building my business. So I'm, I'm just delighted to be involved now. And, and how does public speaking play a part in your life now? Oh, man. So I, I typically, so I mean, one, you know, we meet weekly on Wednesday nights. So I'm always introducing the speakers who come in. I'm always introducing curriculum and answering questions. And, you know, I've sort of gotten to the point where I'm not nervous about that anymore. Although introducing fancy CEOs <laughs> still gives me a little pause. But so, so I do a small bit of it every week, but then we have very large events with hundreds of people. And I'm almost always getting up on stage and either introducing the program, introducing the speakers, um, or doing something of that nature. So me being comfortable in that regard has become sort of increasingly important because it happens a number of times uh, throughout the year. So have you always been comfortable speaking in public? No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you know, and... And I'd say, you know, I'm still not 100% comfortable, right? And, and I will get nervous for days before I have to make a big speech, um, which can be problematic because usually I'm giving a big speech, but I'm also managing the entire event, right? So it's this combination of stress. Yeah. Um, and I always joke that I have to wear all black for big presentations and speeches because I sweat when I'm really nervous, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, th I think the same rule applies for first dates for me. But um, but no, it, you know, it's it's definitely been a long process. So what is that like for those couple days leading up to an event? Like what's what's going through your mind? What's happening to you physically besides the sweating? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um, 
Luckily, I'm a little distracted because I have all of these other event operations that I typically have to do. Um, but I think, you know, the worst of it is when you know who's going to be in the audience and you just really want to do a good job, right? So sometimes if I haven't written out my remarks yet, I get nervous because I haven't done that. Or if I have, then I'll, I'll find myself playing through the speech in my head over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's great, right? Because you want to practice and, and get comfortable, but it's definitely distracting, you know? <laughs> so, so certainly nerve wracking, but, um, less so than it, than in the past for sure. So what, what got you from feeling that kind of fear and anxiety and like mental rehearsal of perfection to now being able to tolerate speaking in front of a group? Right. I, so it, it was a really slow process. And as you might imagine, took a huge amount of practice. You know, not surprisingly, the more speaking I did, the easier it became for me. Um, I think, you know, I remember being in grad school and we had an entrepreneurship class that would meet weekly and every week there would be a new presenter who would come in and they would be you know some fancy CEO or angel investor and each student had to get up at the beginning of the class and give their one minute pitch right about their company and I did it every week it was a minute or less but it didn't matter I always got so overwhelmed and nervous that I would basically black out and not be able to participate in anything leading up to the pitch um, or anything during the pitch. Um, but I think that was really the starting point for me where I was forced every single week to get up and talk about my company, which, you know, I think when you talk about things that are really meaningful to you um, and that you've sort of sunk your heart and soul into, there's it may increase the feelings of vulnerability, right? Yeah. And so so I did that over and over and over again, and it, it just got me into that rhythm. And after leaving grad school and becoming this entrepreneur, I mean, you just have to get comfortable, right? You, you don't really have a choice. You have to pitch, you have to give speeches, you have to tell people even one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, what you're doing and what you're working on. And I think it, it's just been a huge amount of practice. Mm -hmm. So was there something that finally got you to say this whole speaking thing, I'm actually kind of into it? Yeah, you know, I think the big turning point for me was when I was asked to give my graduation speech after I had completed my master's program. And the person who is typically selected to give the speech is actually chosen by the entire class. So to me, it was a really big honor and, you know, therefore a huge amount of pressure, right? And now to be fair, my MBA class was only about 25 people. Um, but you know, they were people who I had spent the last year with every single day and had a huge amount of respect for. So I put a lot of pressure on myself mm. and you know, it was something where I also wanted to make sure that the speech was really unique, right? Something that they would remember where it wasn't kind of the same, this is your destiny and achieve your goals and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So 
after a lot of thought, I decided that I would actually write a Dr. Seuss-like ode that covered every single one of the women in the program. Cool. Yeah, and it and it would highlight something interesting about each of them. So I got really excited when I was writing it. I'm a total geek for a good Dr. Seuss book. Um, and one of the reasons I actually thought it was such a good idea was because the ode was actually going to rhyme. And because it was going to rhyme, I had decided that people would forgive me if I had a piece of paper in front of me during the speech that I was reading off of, right? It's one thing to memorize a speech. It's another thing to memorize a speech that rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Ashley, you are so smart. This is a great way to relieve some stress for this, <laughs> this speech, right? Totally, yeah. So, so I was so pumped about it. And, and then this really interesting thing happened. I was talking to this older gentleman who I respect quite a bit and told him what I was doing. And he told me it was a really bad idea that it wasn't serious enough for business school graduation and that I needed to consider doing something a little more professional. And, you know, that that really struck a chord in me and and, you know, kind of hurt my feelings because I was so excited about this and thought it was such a unique idea. So I thought about it and then, you know, called up one of my grad school friends and she told me that the class hadn't picked me because I was going to give the same old speech, right? They had picked me because they knew I would have fun with it. So I decided to move forward with the, you know, the speech that I had originally written. And the night of I showed up, everybody was really excited and I couldn't, I just couldn't do anything. I couldn't have a conversation with people. Um, I couldn't, talk to anybody because I was so nervous about the speech and everybody kept saying how excited they were to hear it, right? Which just increased that pressure. But I got up there, I started and, you know, I was, I was shaking and my palms were sweaty, but when I got into it, I, I just all of a sudden felt this rhythm, right? There was sort of this smoothness that came. Um, and I looked around and, and people were smiling, right? They, they were really engaged. I felt this sense of support as I continued along. And, and this really interesting thing happened at the very end. People cheered, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. people clapped and they stood up and they cheered and they were really excited about it. And I was just completely overcome with feelings of, you know, satisfaction and, um, and the strong sense of community and support. It was really, really incredible. So would you say this speech was a turning point for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it was a turning point for two reasons. You know, first was the support and enthusiasm, right. That I got from a group of people whom I really admired and respected. Um, you know, I had created something that people really enjoyed that people were really engaged with, right? What, what an amazing feeling to sort of have this thing that you created appreciated, right? So, so that was the first thing. But the second, and I think maybe the most important, was I was authentic, right? I, I'm not a super professional human, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I showed up to the first day of my MBA program when everybody else was wearing suits and dresses in, I kid you not, I can't make this up, a short sleeve hooded sweatshirt that had a world map in the shape of a heart 
on it. Right. <laughs> like, like I'm just, I'm sort of a fun, like not super professional human. And, and I do give some professional talks, right. Don't get me wrong, but I don't take myself that seriously. And, and I think that had I given a more professional speech, it just wouldn't have felt authentic to me. Mm-hmm. And the idea that I could create something that was sort of fun and authentic and I could get people to listen and enjoy it, that was everything, right? That was the turning point, which let me know that I could actually have fun with this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. When you can think of public speaking as, like you said, fun and enjoyable and that the audience is into it, like that is the pinnacle of public speaking and you got there already. So it sounds like public speaking for you has like, it's been a whole process in your life of really starting to like recognize that it doesn't have to be scary, A, and B, yeah. it can be something you actually look forward to. Yeah. So I know that you have a process you go through with your um, your participants in the Win Lab. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that process and how it relates to public speaking? Yeah, sure. So there's this methodology that we teach at Babson, um, and it's called entrepreneurial thought and action. And and just as a little background, so so Babson has been ranked number one in entrepreneurship education by U.S. News and World Report for 24 years. And wow. and I only say that because like these guys know what they're talking about, right? Like they they know what they're doing, and I'm I'm happy to be involved in that community now. But there are two professors, Heidi Knack and Candida Brush, who teach this key piece of pedagogy at Babson. And the methodology essentially says that taking action in the form of small steps is a really powerful way to ultimately reach your larger goals. And because you're empowered to take action, you can actually control the future, right? So, so basically, by starting with who you are, what you know, and whom you know, you can work with what you have to actually pursue your greater goals. And in this case, your goal or dream to be a better public speaker, right? But first, you have to stop worrying about what you want to accomplish, right? This like big dream or big goal. And you have to focus on what you want to do next in order to get to that goal. So Essentially, you look at your long-term goal. For me, this could be giving a TED Talk, for example, right? When I when I was sort of starting on my path of entrepreneurship, all of a sudden I had this realization that I really wanted to give a TED Talk. Um, or for one of the people listening, maybe it's just getting up in front of five people and telling a story or running a meeting at work without having a lot of nervous energy. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that there's a bigger goal, right? So the goal isn't going to happen overnight. So I'm not going to give a TED Talk tomorrow. And that could be for a lot of different reasons. Maybe I have to become more established in my field. Maybe I need to get a little more comfortable on stage. There are just challenges that I need to overcome first. So instead of looking at the long-term goal and potentially feeling stuck because it feels unattainable or overwhelming, I decide on one action that I can take today or tomorrow, that will get me closer to that goal. Mm-hmm. So, oh, go ahead. Do you have um, an example of a couple steps you might take? Yeah, sure. So I think for some of the listeners, the way I would frame it is, let's say you ultimately want to 
speak on stage in front of an audience of 50 people, right? So the first thing you want to do is figure out, okay, what's the idea today that's going to get me ultimately to my goal of being on stage, right? So first think about who you are, right? What are the skills that you bring to the table? Maybe you're a good storyteller, um, maybe not, right? Then think about who you know, right? Who are the people around you who might be able to indicate or dictate what that thing is that you can do next? And then you want to figure out what kind of risk am I willing to take? And risks can be in the form of money, reputation, opportunity cost, right? You know, for me, thinking about if I want to get up on stage and do a big TED Talk, that, that feels like a huge risk to my reputation, right? If I bomb it. Yeah. But if I do something in front of a smaller group and a group that's more supportive, then that, that risk feels much smaller. So, so something that I might do as a first step is to just sign up for the sister speakerhood, right? So if I'm somebody who knows you, who knows about the network, feels like maybe I'm a good storyteller, but I really need to understand more about sort of the skills that are involved in, in giving a speech on stage, then that just signing up for the group can be step one. Mm-hmm. And then once you sign up for that group, you sort of reevaluate, you go back to the drawing board and you say, okay, what's the next step, right? So the next step could be showing up and giving and giving a speech or telling a story. And when you're inside of the sister speakerhood, then you're getting feedback, right? You're getting feedback on that specific experiment where you're telling a story to a group of people. And once you you participate in that second experiment or that second step, you're getting feedback from all of those individuals. You're going to take that feedback and everything that you've learned, and then you're going to apply it again and take another step, right? Yeah, so, maybe, so maybe the step after that is signing up for a, you know, speaking gig in front of 10 people, right, that aren't in that specific group. And you just keep going and going and going until you finally hit your goal. So let me make sure I have this right, because it sounds like there's one major difference in what you're talking about versus what it seems like a lot of gurus and experts try to teach. And that is you're just mapping out your next step. You're not building this, like, 10-page you know, five-year plan with every strategy and tactic and timeline and goal, you're just putting together the next move. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really just taking it into these little micro steps and then adjusting along the way. I love that. I think it's so much more approachable and like, it doesn't take as much time to think about how am I going to get from point A to point B? It's just like, yeah, what am I going to do today? And then it takes away a lot of that fear of like, what if it doesn't go right? Like, what if the the path kind of veers off and I don't do those other things? So I really love that. It feels so um, comforting. Like, it feels like a warm <laughs> sweater, you know? It's like, I you love could that. Do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is it about the process that you think is so helpful? Well, I think there are a few things, but, um, you know, one is that it really builds confidence um, or what we call self-efficacy, right? Your belief that you can actually do something. And, you know, wh- one example that I give is when I was at the welcoming committee, um, by the end of my time there, I was negotiating contracts with 
global entertainment companies, right? And if you had asked me if I ever thought I would be able to do that at the beginning of my time at the company, I would have laughed at you, right? But I took really small steps along the way and negotiated with smaller organizations and things of that nature. And because I was actually doing these things, because I was actually taking action, I ended up becoming incredibly confident in my ability to do these bigger things, right? The closer we get to being able to actually do something, the greater our belief or our confidence in ourselves that we can accomplish that. So I think it's an incredible way to build confidence and self-efficacy, especially in women. Yes, I love that. And have you seen it work for the entrepreneurs in your program? Yeah, definitely. So so we had uh, one entrepreneur in particular who came in at the beginning and, and we have them pitch constantly. And she it was so funny because she was incredible in front of a camera uh, or when she had a mic and was in front of a camera. But as soon as you put her in front of a group, she just panicked and she would go into these giggling fits. It was really remarkable. <laughs> and we worked with her and we got her to get up and pitch and talk in front of the group and talk in front of CEOs and presented our larger events. And by the end of the program, she was a pro. I mean, you know, she still got a little nervous, but she could get through the presentation without giggling, <laughs> you know, unless it was sort of appropriate to the presentation. Um, and it was really incredible to see those sort of small steps and that practice create a change in her. I love that. All right, let's jump into the lightning round. I have six quick questions for okay. you. All right. What's the number one piece of advice you have for women who want to be well-known speakers? Just go for it. Um, <laughs> I, you know, and, and it's, I'm sure that's cliche, right? I'm sure everybody says that. But one of the things that I do is that if when I'm having a good day, I say, I just sign up for something because I know tomorrow I probably won't. And if you're forced, <laughs> if you just force yourself into it, then you'll have to do it. And that, I love that. That will create practice, right? Sign up for things when you're having a good day. Yeah. <laughs> so smart. Um, number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? Um, dream big. Uh, I think, I think we don't spend enough time having fun. Um, and I, I think that you just have to enjoy your life. Yeah. Number three, what advice would you give to your 25 year old self? It's going to be great. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd say, um, I'd say believe in yourself and keep moving forward. Number four, what advice do you have for your 75 year old self? <laughs> Go for longer walks. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? Oh, you know that stuffed unicorn in the Minions movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that totally. That's it. <laughs> Why? Um, I always, I joke that, uh, I like to joke that I'm a unicorn. Um, I don't know why it's sort of been this thing that ended up following me when I was at the welcoming committee. And, um, I don't know, they're, they're fun and cute and lovable and, and magical. So that's it. <laughs> that's good reason. <laughs> um, number six, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? You know, I think having fun. I think 
despite the nerves and, and despite the sweaty palms, going up there, being authentic and having a good time, because that is the only way that you are going to be able to enjoy being a public speaker. Totally agree. I love that answer. Ashley, is there anything you'd like to share with my audience about your work, any events or promotions or offers? Yeah. So if there are any um, entrepreneurs out there who might be interested in checking out the WinLab Accelerator program, I would love for you to visit us at thewinlab.org. And if you're interested in uh, working with me, and doing a little entrepreneurship coaching, then I would love for you to check out my website, ashleyelizabethlucas.com. Excellent. And do you have information on there about the entrepreneurial thought and action process? Um, I do not, but I could uh, send that <laughs> along or include it. <laughs> Yeah, because I think what you noted about the different questions to ask yourself and different elements to consider would be helpful to just be able to see and maybe like write down or, or bookmark. Yeah, totally. And and I can do that. You can also find more information if you uh, Google entrepreneurial thought and action and Babson College. And there is a great book by Professor Heidi Neck and Professor Candida Brush uh, that I would encourage people to check out as well. Awesome. Do you remember what it's called? Is it, is it entrepreneurial thought in action? It is, uh, I believe teaching entrepreneurship. I'm actually looking for it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll include it in the show notes so people can check it out. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Ashley, thanks so much for coming on the show. I love that this whole episode was about one very tiny thing, just taking a small step. And your story is a really good example of how sticking with something can help to change your perspective on what's possible and that you can't, you're not only getting through it, but you're actually enjoying it and looking forward to ways to add more of it to your life. So I really appreciate the perspective and the mindset shift on, you know, accomplishing your goals. So thanks for being on the show. Oh, it was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me. What do you think? Is this a process you think you could try? Seems easy, right? I want to encourage you to think of one thing you want to accomplish and apply this methodology to get going. And then if you're having fun with it and you're seeing results, email me. I want to hear about it. Maybe we could talk about it. I'm, I'm always excited to know if what I'm talking about here is actually useful to anyone besides me. <laughs> <laughs> so feel free to email me anytime regarding this podcast, any kinds of guests you'd like to recommend, uh, topics you'd like to recommend, or just give any kind of feedback. Always happy to chat with you, Angela at speakersisterhood.com. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review and rate the show on iTunes. It takes only a few minutes and it helps more people to find the show, which is awesome. And that's it for me this week, you guys. As always... Stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.